Welcome to the Harrisburg Brethren in Christ Church podcast. My name is Ryan Cagno. The HPIC podcast brings you weekly episodes on the topic of discipleship, where we'll sit down with members of the HPIC family to hear their stories, hear about the different ways people at HPIC are pursuing discipleship, in other words, how they are learning to follow Jesus' example and obey his teachings in their daily lives in practical ways. This week, I talked with Jennifer Aronson about how she practices simple living. Um, what that means for her, kind of the philosophy that goes into it. She's thought about it really deeply. Um, I can sometimes kind of have a cliched or, or stereotypical view of simple living and think of the Amish or the Mennonite or, or, or what have you, but um, she's thought about it in a really profound way and how it kind of intersects with modern life and um, how it's wrapped up in her faith. So I think you're going to really enjoy it and uh, enjoy Jennifer Aronson, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Ryan. I'm excited to be here. You had mentioned uh, your interest or passion in uh, simple living, um, which is something I'm very interested to talk about. Uh, and you might define that differently, but that's something that for the Brethren in Christ or denomination is uh, one of our 10 stated core values mm. and historically being Anabaptists and, um, you know, Mennonite adjacent. Uh, it's yeah. been at times historically a more important thing for us maybe than, um, than it currently is, but something I'm passionate about and I would love to hear how you understand that in your contemporary life, hopefully as a way of kind of, um, calling that value out again for us. So what, what do you mean by simple living? Yeah. Why, why is this a passion for you? Yeah. And, and I wrote my thoughts down. I'm by, you know, no means somebody who's ready to write a book on it or an expert, but it has been a focus of mine over um, yeah, my 40-year marriage. And um, and then I grabbed um, Richard Foster's um, Freedom of Simplicity just to see if I had missed anything. <laughs> and it was good to, you know, gather a few more overarching principles. So, I would think I would start by saying what simple living is not. Um, it is not easy, and it's not easier, <laughs> but it will make your life freer and easier. Um, it's also not simple. It's relatively complex because you're looking at the interconnectedness of all things when you're making decisions and how does this decision relate to the whole of your life? It's also not legalistic. It's a choice. Um, it's not isolation. It's not asceticism. I believe that God values beauty and created beauty, and we should enjoy the good things in life uh, in their place. And it, for the sake of the listener, asceticism means just kind uh, of... Kind of like, Doing without all joy <laughs> and non-necessity. Think of like a monk or something, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, wearing a burlap sack and and a shoe right, and, yeah. living in a cave. So mm -hmm. you know, a, a vase of flowers and a piece of art on the wall can uh, help you spiritually focus on God and His creativity. Um, it's it's not a rejection of all change and technology either. Um, even the Amish over time have accommodated things that fit with their simple lifestyle um, that didn't take away from their major principles. 
Um, I think this fleshes a lot uh, with Debbie Winger's talk on intentionality. Yeah, and minimalism, a, yeah. A book into that. Um, so you have to use a lot of long-term consequential thinking um, to make these kind of logical deductions and sort of reduce things down into an understandable nugget of how you want to live. And I am not simple-minded. <laughs> I read and think a lot. So um, I think that goes well with it. Yeah. Yeah, because to just react or, re you know, just take in everything that's out there, I think I'd go a really different direction. Yeah, I, I think you kind of describing what Debbie shared in an earlier podcast episode in, in the terms of intentionality and, and thoughtfulness about your life, whereas, you know, the, the, the alternative or the default for most of us, you know, we kind of default to just sliding through, consuming, yeah, doing the best not we really can. thinking about what we're consuming, which in some ways, fair enough. That's all we can manage to yeah. uh, think about from day to day. But no, I love that. And I love, you know, construing it as something that um, is for the sake of our freedom. Yes. Right. This isn't a legalism or like a flagellation. We're not just like punishing ourselves. Right with simplicity and austerity we are it's not a, a freedom spousing poverty for poverty's sake alone mm. um because if you're so poor that you're just scraping by you can't help anybody else and that's missing one of the major principles of simple living and i'm very cautious in wanting to throw out caveats of you know, this is very frustrating to people who are caught currently in a you know to full-time job mortgage <laughs> or haven't thought about it up to this point or or don't have uh, the ability to earn a living wage um, to make other choices. I'm quite aware of my white privilege and having an education um, and and that we're a multi-class, multicultural church that doesn't always have those opportunities. Um, and let me, I'm just wanting to let you know I'm really aware of that. Uh, still thinking that there can be movement in this direction. And sometimes it, you have to start small. And one of the reasons I love uh, doing premarital counseling is you can help people just as they're embarking on their life together into some of these thoughts and ways of life because down the road you might not have all those choices you're stuck <laughs> so no, that's really good so for you then gr granted that you have the privilege and the choice to be able to focus on some of these things um yeah could you begin to flesh out for me what what exactly it looks like practically yeah. in your life or you know how those underlying principles kind of bear out right so it, simplicity really is a grace. It is a discipline. Um, it, you know, recognizing that material things are both good and limited, but they shouldn't own you. You should own them. Mm. Um, it does lean on, solidarity, um, on solitude and silence to some extent because it takes time to think and long-range plan, and if you don't take the time for that, 
you won't end up where you want to be. Um, it means it's not about accumulating more, but desiring less. Hmm. And I think some of the ways that shows up in my own life is I simply do not see a lot of things. If I go into a store, all the racks before the clearance one in the back, they don't exist in my mind. Um, and I, I don't receive catalogs for fashions and ladies' magazines that, where that's in my face of, oh, this is what's trending, this is what I need to have. So some of that leads to me desiring less. Um, it means you're gonna accommodate some of what goes on in the world without making an ethical compromise. So it's very hard in the States to live without a car. I know people do it. But you do have choices of how big that car is, how expensive that car is, how gas guzzling that car is. Um, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, it's about planned spending and delayed gratification. I've had many an opportunity to work in spurts or part-time um, where all that that I could earn next to my husband's salary was designated for a vacation or a down payment or something. Um, and it's kind of fun to save toward that instead of just like, oh, here's, let's pay the bills. Um, so there's a sense of that. I think flexibility is another thing of value. If I am less about accumulating and earning money, I have more flexibility to invest my time and energy into service, uh, into growth and learning, into people. Um, I know the times when I've worked full-time, it's very draining. And there's not a lot left over to give. So I have really valued living below my means in order to have that flexibility to do those other things. So, yeah, flesh that out for me. For you, simple living looks specifically like you've said living below your means, clearance shopping, <laughs> saving and budgeting versus just, you know, cutting a check for something right off the bat, kind of waiting. Um, I guess start with, I would love to hear specifically what uh, living below your means looks like means for you or looks like, yeah. And again, I don't, I'm not sure that this is something everybody can do, but something Bob and I have done is always um, ignore what realtors have told us we need to spend on, or what percentage we can spend on a house and how high our mortgage can go and what neighborhoods we want to live in and chosen um, different neighborhoods and fixer-upper properties and ones that only required a single income to pay. Um, so that I had with children and with chronic health problems the flexibility to work if I could, 
but not have to, not have that stress on me. Um, so I would often put my time and effort into renovating and rehabbing those homes so we could make another little step up the ladder in housing. We started with a 33,000 um, row house in Baltimore and you know just slowly now that's a lot of work and it's a lot of moving that's not for everybody but that was one of the choices that we made mm. um, another thing is enjoying things without owning them mm. i'm all about borrowing or renting or bartering or scavenging <laughs> um, i i don't think we always have to own one of everything uh, that we seldom use. So I'd love to see more, um, you know, sharing of resources in that way. Yeah, that's something that came up with Debbie as well. I think we talked about, I think I said, like, there's no reason, like, I don't need more than one spatula. And she said, <laughs> oh, yes, maybe, you do. Or, or, no, and, then, and then she said, well, maybe you don't even need a spatula at all. Maybe you just borrow your neighbors and depend on that instead. Like, even I, I started to interrogate my own assumption that, well, I at least need to have one of everything mm. that I might potentially need right. somewhere down the line. And it's like, well, not necessarily, because then all you're doing is um, you're negating the need to depend on other people yeah. or on God. Yeah. And I think America spends a lot on toys. And a lot of them are seldom used. They They mean to, but don't have the time to. And... And uh, and then they feel guilty that they didn't use them. And it doesn't mean you can't have, you know, an expensive hobby that you're passionate about, but you might be thinking of how you're going to pay for that hobby. So, like, I spent a good 20 years into rubber stamping and making greeting cards, and I sold a lot of them, and that would help me buy new stamps. Or... Uh, my daughter was an Irish dancer when she was in, uh, growing up, and those dresses were incredibly expensive, so I learned how to make them myself. Uh, I bought an expensive sewing machine, but I paid it for it by making dresses and selling them. Now, of course, I could have made a lot more money going to work, and, and we always have that choice, you know. If you're working full time, you don't. Ha it takes a lot of time to save money. Um, you have you have to to wait. You have to be creative. <laughs> you know? So, if you have a job that you're thoroughly passionate about and loving, well, then you know you have that option of buying things as you need them without mm -hmm. thinking of am I getting the lowest clearance price? If you've like me, had health problems and you wanted to stay home, well, then that chunk of time is going to be dedicated to finding those things cheaper. Not to detour too much, uh -huh. but why do you think simple living is important? Ah. Like, why think about this and spend our time, you know, especially from a biblical perspective? Right. Um, you know, is, is, there, is there any kind of theological underpinning to why you why you value this the way you do. Yeah, um, that gets a little deeper and a little harder to spell out. Um, for me, I'm an introvert, 
And mm-hmm. so as much as I'm talkative and enjoy people, I, they exhaust me. And so having that time to, uh, of silence and solitude um, really helps me grow and be available to others. Um, having planned spending allows me to be generous and give 10% or more of my income instead of going, well, this is all I have left, Lord. You know, I got 200. Um, it means that I could invest in, in my children and raising a family in a more intensive way. Um, you know, just, I think that, you know, the early church was pretty simple in their lifestyle uh, for reasons. And uh, I'm not a flexible person, but I've learned to be flexible um, from a lot, a lot of moving. And I, I've been able to do that because I have these stabilizing forces in my life. Instead of like, ah, where am I going to work? What am I going to do? You know, where, where are the kids going to find daycare? Where, uh, yeah, so um, that's, that's part of it. I think I was just thinking this morning that th- this church building is the perfect example of simple living. <laughs> the choice of location, the origin of what it was before, uh, the, the shared uses of it for the food pantry and a medical clinic. And, and you know, I, we don't have unlimited meeting space, but we, we make it work. How many churches do you know that would allow children to eat in their sanctuary on their chairs with their carpet and go, that's okay? They'd be like, no, 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 we're not eating in here. Um, so uh, not, you know, having it paid for and not constantly, oh, we've got to grow our membership in order to meet our capital campaign demands. Um, It's a perfect example of enoughness and workability without being, you know, exclusive, unapproachable, unusable space. Hmm. That's good. I like uh, enoughness, a perfect example of enoughness is well said. Um, <laughs> and I think that hits cuts across so many um, different scriptural injunctions, especially the New Testament and, you know, Jesus's words on worry in the Sermon on the Mount that are directly related to our stuff. You know what I mean? Um, and kind of Paul's words on worry and anxiety and, and um, contentment, enoughness, you know what I yeah. mean? how we can, you know, part of living in the reality of the coming kingdom is just finding a way to be satisfied in, in what we have and where we're at or and satisfied with less right. uh, in a culture that um, is oriented in the total opposite direction, right? Our whole, our whole society yeah. is built on uh, the necessity of consumption. I mean, not to the point where it would break down if everybody lived the way you live, right? I mean, in... And, and, you know, we're caught in the middle of that because on one side, we intellectually know that the rich aren't any happier than we are with their stuff and that it's a burden to them. But 
on the other side, you know, the false pictures we get in social media of this is look at this great vacation and this da da. We also kind of believe it, um, and so it's yeah. And those are the really like stark examples. I yeah. just think pushing it to a deeper level and thinking in so many different ways, we're just we are conditioned to think in terms of the next thing, you know, the next purchase yeah. or yeah. or more or the step towards this or that, you know, a raise or a better living situation, whatever it may be. And I don't want to, yeah, again, not speak from a privileged position. Like (laughs) there are a lot for a lot of folks, like those types of material changes and, and upgrades would be really important and life changing, but whether we think we need it or not, it's inescapable. Like that's what our culture is oriented towards around is, is kind of progress and kind of up, that upward, yeah, yeah, like that upward I want movement. my children to have it better than I did right. and easier than I did. And, that's and the whole like myth of our culture is, yeah. is pointed in that direction. And then know? when you've been around as long as I have, you can remember, I mean, obviously we've had inflation and we've had increases in, but even so it hasn't caught up to pace. Um, and I think of what I lived on you know, as a young married, um, and it was enough. But, and I was always cautious, like with each little bit of bump in salary, it's so easy to just use it, right. you know? Um, and how can you, I don't know, it's always just enough for me. Um, and I'm just, just, was a, just as happy, you know, with $20 to spend for, um, all entertainment in a month as I am now with more at my disposal. Yeah. If you're content now, then when you get a $20,000 raise, you're still going to be content. And if you're eager for more now or like feel that lack, then you're still going to feel that lack when you get a $50,000 raise. Right. You know, it's just that the goalpost moves on you. If, if you're chasing yeah. or, or hanging your fulfillment on, whatever material change is going to be on the horizon for me, then most often that goalpost is going to move and you'll never really arrive there, you know. And we've had a, just a strange trajectory as a couple of a, of downward earning potential, uh, often for reasons that were not about money. Um, and Bob was being educated at prestigious places like UNC and Johns Hopkins. He was on the fast track to be at those types of universities, but we knew that they'd chew you up and spit you out at five years, when, and, and they're anti-family. Uh, and we didn't want that, um, and we didn't choose that. And as I say, that gives you more choices. Um, again, if you're white and you have less debt and more education and lower expenses, you have more flexibility and choice. And I grieve for those that don't have that. Um, because it's not a fun rat race to be a part of. Yeah. It's a rat race is a good word. It's kind of like a trap, mm-hmm. like a treadmill that you can't get off of or a rat wheel you can't get out of, I guess. Which comes back to your construing it as as freedom. And for me, above all else, it, what has worked for me, and I'm not sure this would work for many, has been a reframing of saving money 
for me isn't a isn't a burden and a constriction, even though it absolutely was. Um, it was a game. It was a sport. It was an art. It was fun. And now, I, I know that sounds ludicrous, but it absolutely has been. Um, it's just such a challenge for me. Literally, like, the middle name of everyone in my family is Scavenger. <laughs> and, and my children have picked up on all this very well. And they both have low-earning jobs, but they both own a home um, because they know, knew how to manage money and save and, and delay um, and choose carefully. Um, and I'm so thrilled for them, you know, because mm -hmm. it would be so hard right now to try to get into the market now and, or to pay rent. And um, so that was kind of a gift that I gave them um, to be able to put meaningful work in their lives and, and being involved in the church and, and in their relationships. So, I mean, undergirding all of simple living is this concept that it isn't about you give your 10% tithe and the other 90% is yours to spend as you wish. It's a, it's a model of stewardship that it all belongs to God and he has given it to you to steward. And so free to pick that Mercedes um, with that 90%. I have to think through every decision about how God would feel about it and is it a good use of his resources. Hmm. And that is very important to me. Hmm. So you're putting money and power and status kind of in their appropriate places because those are the things that corrupt. So is this a spiritual battle? It absolutely is. Yeah, it very much is. And, and there's so much in scripture that talks to the spiritual significance of our wealth, you know, even the spiritual danger of our wealth, as we talked about with Patrick Cicero a couple weeks ago, um, yeah. or however many weeks ago from when this <laughs> airs. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and I love the fact that, you know, in, in the history of the BIC, at least, simple living has sometimes descended into these kind of judgmental, mm -hmm. um, legalistic games of comparison, right? You know, especially yeah, when you, at its worst... One you of can, the potential Yeah, downfalls. you can see this yeah. at its worst, you know, in some communities like, uh, yeah, how um, fancy of a, a buggy can you buy, <laughs> um, this and that, you know. Uh, at its worst, it can be about that, Um you know, at its best, it's not about some set of rules or cultural right. expectations. Uh, it's just an expression of being thoughtful mm -hmm. um, about our relationship to our stuff and being thoughtful to the ways that we're using it mm -hmm. um, as as an act of, you know, worship. You know, we only ever talk about stewardship in terms of, you know, how we're... Uh, giving to the church. How we're giving to the yeah. church, how we're, you know... Um, in terms of financial generosity and some of these other things, but stewardship quite literally is how are you going to steward? How are you going to handle yeah. and, and hold on to or give away or use the things that have been provided to you in your life? And so 
simple living, you know, it's not about follow ten Jen's ten rules. Jen- no. Jennifer's ten it's rules very for individual. Like living. It really it's, is it, a different different picture for everybody. Right. And you know, we use, you know, the phrase like you shouldn't count other people's money or whatever. No. Um, because that can get very fraught very yeah. quick. But you know, just even starting with it, let's just be thoughtful and intentional about our stuff and our relationship to it in a culture that pushes us in the opposite direction, pushes us towards consumption, towards mindless consumption, towards not really yeah. thinking critically about about our stuff. And this is something we just don't do well of as American Christians. We can't even manage the 10%. I mean, I think the typical uh, average giving is 2 to 3%. Of income, uh, we're way below Jews and Mormons. <laughs> so if we can't manage that ten percent, you can imagine we're not doing well on the other ninety percent as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, which I think just yeah probably comes from a. It's not like we're um, just stiff and unwilling to give money to the church. I would assume for most of us, it's just. Uh, the fruit yeah. of the fruit of our disordered of our relationship that, to our money and our choices yeah. is like we actually we just can't don't give more it. than that, right? Yeah, we don't have it. You know, it's yeah. not like you hate tithing necessarily. No. Yeah, I assume of people, it's just you know we don't. And I think that I should balance, you know, some of this quote austerity with saying that, that there are things that are worth putting money toward. Uh, marriage and your marriage relationship is worth the money for a date night. And there are plenty of options for cheap date nights. Uh, divorce is costly. It's very expensive. <laughs> You're going to have preach. to find two places to live. Um, so, you know, having those date nights, counseling if you need it, a weekend away, those are good investments for your family. Um, likewise, um, preventative type measures maybe you you know if buying healthier foods could be more expensive than just eating rice and beans because um, I know the cheapest way to eat but is it going to save us again this is that long-term thinking yeah, health um, bills. am I going to yeah. have to pay through the nose and health care costs because of choosing the cheapest um, thing so that goes into your thinking as well. Um, and what that's going to mean for you and what it's going to mean for me are different. Yeah. 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 And giving people the grace for that and, and not laying out restrictions on the color of your buggy or the hem of your pants or any of these things and uh, what car you can or can't drive or whatever it may be, but just rather, um, yeah, all of us as individuals thinking more critically about this and, and as a community, I mean, I think there's a place within the community to kind of be pushing each other in this direction. Right. But, but not from a place of standing in judgment against other people's financial choices. We don't want to be, you know, saying, well, I got here based on my hard work and you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps because we know that that just doesn't fit in with the systemic injustices that we see. Um, you know, our good credit and our inheritances and our land and our ownership, you know, d- is different. So um, our ability to, t- to do this is different. And that's why 
it's important for those of us who have a little more to care about those who don't mm -hmm. um, and seek to rectify those situations because it is that valuable for your spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Any other things you want to get in here before we close it off? Um, well, just, um, you know, as, as I said, I'm, I'm a unique person. And just for me, um, the joy of the game <laughs> and in being like, you're just not going to find a, a queen of thrift better than me. I'll take you on, girl. Wow. <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, but I'm more than willing to help. Um, others and train others and I love requests um, you know can you find me this can you find me that I need this I'm all about it so um, just broadcasting that a little bit <laughs> you've made it fun for yourself and yes and, yeah and what's the best what's the best uh, where are the best deals in Harrisburg where do you go well a lot of them are in Harrisburg some of my um, Favorite, well, let's just deal with food. We're very fortunate in Pennsylvania to have a lot of um, discount grocery outlets. Um, there's BB's, there's Wenger's, there's Grocery Outlet. Um, you know, outside of the usual sales and things that we can find at Giant and <laughs> Weiss and such. Uh, but they're out of the way, and you have to, again, plan, mm. plan ahead. But there are incredible deals to be had. And um, we're also in a pretty fertile growing area. So there's, you pick places, a lot of them. And, and right now, um, there's a place called Honey Bear Orchard. And there, you pick apples for 35 cents a pound. You're not going to find them for that at the store. And you just had a fun date doing it. Mm. So, but it's not in Harrisburg proper. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can go on and on and on. If, if it's there... I will find it. If it, you know, I, I learned to appreciate wine berries that grow in this area. They're not native, but they're everywhere. And you go along state parks and in paths, and you find wine berries in, in July, and they're delicious. We picked quarts of them. <laughs> um, you know, and, you know. Again, it's all about what Pastor Hank says. It's about being faithful rather than successful. It's about meaningful work rather than profitable work. It's about humility and intentionality of not trying to keep up with everybody, but what works for you. It's a good cap on things. Thank you, Jennifer. 